He's amused Cam Newton. Just ask that question one more time. He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, what you have scheduled this game. He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go, Tarion. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. I see, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. You are on a Tuesday drive. WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad. We're exactly two weeks out from the conference tournament in Greensboro. ACC basketball coaches are begging for some help. Last year... Steve Forbes suggested the league needed a hype man on television. Yesterday, as the ACC faces perception issues again for the second year in a row and potentially another five-bid season, pick coach Jeff Capel sounded the alarm, saying something similar on the ACC teleconference. Here's how that sounded. I don't think it helps when we, you know, have our own network. And there I was watching uh, when we were at Virginia Tech the night before, I'm watching our own network. And the, one of the first questions that comes up is, is it perception or reality that the ACC is down? And I never see that on the Big Ten network. And man, they are always, always pumping the Big Ten, always. And I wish the people that represent us, you know, would have the respect and pump our league and be positive instead of looking at negative things. ACC coaches are asking for help. They feel unsupported. They feel underrepresented. And it's not really an ACC network cheerleader the conference needs. What they need is a commissioner who's willing to fight for basketball. Because we already know Jim Phillips is willing to do so for football. At the end of the day, Jeff. Remember when the coaches wanted him to nuke the playoff? to get rid of the concept, to vote it down, leading the alliance to do the same thing, and Phillips became the face of that, we're not going to do a 12-team format. That's what he said in January. He killed that idea until USC and UCLA bolted for the Big Ten, and his hand was forced. And later that year, they embraced the 12-team playoff. But the reason he did that was because he was representing his constituency. His constituency representing the football coaches, fighting for the football coaches. His first press conference as ACC commissioner a few years ago, he made it clear football is our priority. And ever since he made that comment, basketball coaches have felt underrepresented. I have tremendous respect for Commissioner Phillips. That's how they feel. Basketball coaches rightfully say the conference was built on this sport and that it should be prioritized as such. Now, we understand the reality of how important football is. We get that. But is it a coincidence that Jim Phillips says that in his opening press conference, and then the following two seasons, his two seasons as commissioner, the league's dealing with these types of issues, of irrelevancy, of perception issues? Would that have happened on John Swafford's watch? I don't think so. But... If you're a cynic, if you want to push back on it and play devil's advocate, you might say, Josh, what really could the commissioner do? For starters, he can try and get more out of his partnership with the ESPN. There's the obvious thing that you need out of your partnership with the ESPN. More revenue. We know that. 
But that's not really what I'm talking about here. Here's a thought. Why is it that Paul Feinbaum is always a regular fixture on all the popular ESPN shows? Get up, first take, maybe on SVP. How come I always see those guys? I saw Sean Farnham pushing the Pac-12 not too long ago doing the same thing. But I never see anybody from the ACC Network's roster on those shows. Never see Mark Packer on Get Up or First Take or on with SVP. How come that's the case? That's something that I would look at. And if that's unrealistic, here's a thought. How about you let Jimmy Pitaro, ESPN president, know that during a big rivalry game between North Carolina and NC State, maybe don't have Joe Lenardi urinating on the conference for 10 minutes during the basketball game. Can we at least get that? Can you at least ask your partner that? We don't need a double box telling us how insignificant this game is in the larger scan of the conference or of the NCAA tournament picture while the game's happening. We don't need it. They don't need somebody on television playing cheerleader. They need their conference commissioner to do it. And I wish he'd be more aggressive. I wish he'd come on this show. We haven't had him in a while. We should come on this show and be aggressive in talking about what this conference does, which is win in March, which is produce more draft picks than anybody, which is win more national titles than anyone. I wish he'd be more aggressive. If it wasn't this show, do it somewhere else. I wish he'd say, oh, it's funny to me that the SEC and the Big Ten are projected to get three more teams into the NCAA tournament than we're going to get. When there isn't a college basketball player today who's alive for the last time the Big Ten won the title. There isn't a player who was alive playing college basketball today the last time the Big Ten Conference won a national championship 23 years ago. Oh, the SEC is going to get eight bids. How far did they get last year? Kentucky, how good are they this year? When's the last time a team not named Kentucky won a national championship? I'll listen. So that's where I stand on it. They don't need a cheerleader on television. They need a commissioner that's going to fight for basketball. At the end of the day, Jeff. On Twitter at WSJS Radio, if you want, and that's also where we're streaming video. In addition to Twitch and on YouTube, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Will Dalton is the executive producer of this show. Really enjoying some of the drops that you've got in your arsenal. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've got a treasure chest. Mm-hmm. Treasure chest over here. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now let's get to the Carolina Panthers. We heard from Panthers coach Frank Reich earlier today, and he provided us with some answers to a couple of important questions. First and foremost being, he confirmed that he would be the one calling the plays for now. Not offensive coordinator Thomas Brown, who just arrived from Sean McVay's staff from L.A. Frank says it's temporary, but I'll believe it when I see it that he's going to relinquish play calling duties. He was a Super Bowl winning play caller with the Eagles. And then things started to go south in Indianapolis once Nick Sirianni was hired by Philly off of his staff. And he wasn't able to really sustain that chemistry that was lost by losing the play caller. So he was understandably a little bit guarded from that. But here was Frank today on how he sees the play calling shaping out. I went into the process of you know thinking about calling plays not calling plays you know there is going to be some point that I'm going to pass it off um, you know 
I know that's going to be hard, and I've been laughing. I've laughed with Thomas about that already. I said, I'm going to pass it off at some point. I don't know when, but, um, you know, and I think there will be a time and a place, and I think it will become apparent when that is. But, um, you know, I I think the right thing for me to do for our team and for our offense right now is for me to continue to kind of use my experience. Understand that. So he will be calling plays as expected. Defensively, under Ajiro Averro, Carolina's going to run a 3-4 defense. That's going to be their base, which is far different from what they ran under Matt Rule and Phil Snow. In those years, they had, most of the time, five DBs on the field. They had a 3-5-5 defense that they ran at points. Uh, It'll be interesting, or a 3-3-5, excuse me, that they ran. Frank Reich, when asked about how that would change things from a personnel standpoint and who would stand out, he did remind everyone that just because it's your base, maybe don't focus so much on that. And what's more important here is that they got a defensive coordinator that interviewed for all the head coaching openings, including the one that Frank Reich ended up getting. The reason we decided to go with it because of a Jero. You know, like I was hiring the man, not the scheme. I was hiring the man. I was hiring the leader. Um, that's what I was hiring. I, I, it wasn't as much about the scheme. You know, he could he could coach any scheme he wanted. He's going to be good at it. So that, that was my take on that. And then, you know, you're, you're in base defense. You know, most teams are only in base defense about 20% of the time. So you're really in other multiple fronts 75 to 80% of the time. All makes sense. So those are a couple of important questions that were answered. He's going to be calling plays on offense. Jiro Evero is going to be running mostly a 3-4 defense, but there are going to be some multiple looks in that. There is one question that is very important that he could not answer, and that is the question of who's playing quarterback. That's the focus now. He only has one quarterback on his roster, and it's Matt Corral, who missed all of his rookie season last year. So here he was speaking to the conversations, the preliminary, uh, preliminary conversations that he and quarterback's coach, Josh McCown, have had on the subject. Last night, you know, Josh McCown came into my office late, and we were sitting in my office for two hours, you know, late, late, talking about quarterbacks, quarterback play, just he and I, two ex you know, just talking ball, you know what I mean? Talking about our vision for the quarterback position, how, you know, so we're just at the beginning of that process, you know, and um, we're going to respect that process and don't want to jump to any conclusions. And, you know, because it's not going to be just Josh and I. I mean, obviously, Scott, as he composes the roster and as he and I get together for the vision about how we're going to build the roster, um, you know, that's going to be multiple layers. So we just have to take our time in that process. I'd love to know those two hour late night conversations, how that looks. Hey, Josh. Uh... I don't think Sam Darnold's very good. I think we should get a better quarterback than that. I agree. But then it becomes, do you pursue that in the draft? Do you look at a guy like Derek Carr? A lot of interesting questions that the Panthers have to answer, but at least we know a few important answers to important questions about play calling and what the Panthers are going to look like defensively. The Drive with Josh Graham, only on WSJS. Hayes Permar, 
Joining us from Sports Channel 8 now, we've got an NC State-themed skips or plays with Hayes that we're going to play. But before we get to that, you were at the outdoor game as I was on Saturday. It was a sight, a great sight of humanity before the game started. People trying to park, people trying to get in the building, all the tailgating for a hockey game. The weather conditions were perfect. I was actually sitting next to the NHL's meteorologist in the press box, and he said, been to about a dozen of these. This is as good as it gets in terms of no cloud cover, 43 degrees at puck drop. Permar, though, what's the best story you've got from something surrounding the Canes outdoor game? Um... I'm, I'm not sure. You know, I'm, not, I'm never one who likes to make it all about me, Josh Graham. You know, that's like not who I am at all. But I will say uh, this, I may have said this to you, but this game, more than any other sporting event probably, and this speaks to the magnitude of what the game was, tested my, you know what, a ticket will probably find its way to me uh, when the time comes, right? So I, you know, kind of balked it at buying tickets early. Uh, I'm not going to do the media thing like I, I absolutely applied for credentials when i was sports channel eight and we were working as media now we were different types of media we were doing fun stuff but we were working but i do not just apply for credentials to get into stuff i feel like i've got a little bit of honor code there but i didn't feel like paying the prices when the uh, when they first came online i kind of monitored i would have jumped in at what i thought was a good pair at a decent price i might have bought some but you know those ticket prices stayed high even the day of there were a couple that jumped up on some Raleigh Facebook sites, people that had overbought and uh, had some go up. And there, the prices were good, but if you didn't see them in like five seconds, they were gone. So day of, I planned to be out at the tailgate. I was out there. It was awesome. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to the, the parking in a second. But, uh, but then as planned, I just you know, hit a couple tailgates, then cruised back and was going to you know, watch it with some friends uh, or just at home with my wife. And then literally at 7.58, a flare goes up on Twitter. Somebody I don't even know, and it got retweeted. And I, and they were like, if you can get here, I got a free extra. And I jumped on it, jumped in the car, made it to Carter-Finley, and made it into the stadium before puck drop. There was no traffic. Nobody charged me for a ticket. I jumped to the front row, parked, jumped out of my car, and was in my seat. Uh, How did you park? So, How did you park? There was there, that was the thing that was crazy was even as it was hard to get in, they were there were spots that were not infilling very quickly. There were many spots left open. It was it's not like NC State football where everybody knows my number, you know, my I'm lot number eleven thousand two hundred eighty four or whatever. People were just going for whatever. So if you saw a row that was filled, you just assumed everything else inside was filled, and you just try to find the best you could. When in reality, there was lots of spots. Actually, that same theory I found out also applies to Carter Finley urinals, at least on the men's side. I didn't go to the women's bathroom. But there'd be these long lines, and then you get in there and realize there's just rows of urinals that nobody's even getting to. And you're like, dude, what are we doing? I guess that speaks to having one sort of attendant telling people where to go, both in parking and urinals. Yeah, Permar, this is, this is quintessential Permar. He's the guy who shows yeah. up to the Final Four in Phoenix without a ticket and then buys a ticket that from a scalper and then sells that ticket to somebody else making a profit to then buy better seats and doing that a few times to the point where he sat behind Roy Williams during the game 
it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, Permar is good at this, but he's also a guy who, again, who does not focus on himself. He doesn't like talking about himself. He doesn't like self-indulgence. So let's get to the segment that Permar pushed to have his name in. Skipser plays with Hayes. (laughs) Hayes Permar is somewhat of a renaissance man, an expert in the finer things, but he hangs his hat on music. Loves his God, and he's no friend of Satan. Feels like 06, getting busy with the sticks, been watching Big Mike and Lil Trick. I just need a Zion and someone he can dunk on. Today, Hayes will decide if this music is smash or trash. Glow! or blows. It's time for skips or plays with Hayes. It's a great time to be an NC State fan. Kevin Keats is going to join us in a couple of hours ahead of the Wake Forest game tomorrow. They're honoring the 83 team. You are talking about a really good basketball team that's the best in the state right now, I'd say. Uh, Coming off a win against Carolina, winning in wrestling, club hockey with 25K last night. Of course, the outdoor game that was state-themed and Carolina women's basketball, wrestling. I'm probably forgetting other sports. It's a pretty good time to be a Pack fan. Don't know how often I've been able to say that. So we're making this NC State-themed. WD, what's the first NC state theme song for Hayes Permar? So because they are honoring the 81 title team. 83. 80, I'm sorry, 83. 80, uh, wow, wow. That's Indiana Hoosiers, congratulations. Relax. Oh, nice. He's watching Hoosiers for the first time I, I tomorrow am. night, by the way. I am. I, that's why it mixed All me right. up. Yep, yep. Uh, 83 title team tomorrow night against Wake. So I decided to go on the 83 top 100 list for Billboard. We're going with 1999 by Prince. Wow. 40 years old. 1999. Didn't realize that. Um, I, now you've heard me talk about how Prince wrote Manic Monday, right? Yes. You can hear it in this song when the, the verses sound the exact same. Like you could sing, is it six o'clock already? I was just in the middle of a dream. Just listen, you'll hear it. I can already kind of feel okay. it. Just in the middle of a dream. Exact same tune. It's amazing. Um, so anyway, but, but both of those songs are bangers. This is an obvious banger. Um, I don't know if either of you guys remember what it was like for either New Year's Eve 1998 turning into 1999. Obviously, this song was more about written for December 31st, 1999. But that did not stop us in 1998 when it became 1999 from playing this song, oh, I don't know, a million times on uh, on New Year's Eve and then running it back on 1999. uh, Incredible. Okay, so we got to play. What's the next song? What's the next theme? So we saw Baby T whip out the Neo Matrix glasses again after the win against Carolina. But All the whole of them. T- DJ Burns, right? The whole yeah. team was doing it. Uh, so we're going glasses theme here. Pink sunglasses by Miranda Lambert. I'm going to be honest, I don't know this Miranda Lambert song. Yeah, me either. I'm trying to be open-minded. Isn't there another song about pink sunglasses? Doesn't ZZ Top have a pink sunglasses song? That's where I thought we were going. I got I to gotta skip this. Hey, no, hey. For, for Miranda, I think she's got some hits that I would like, but... uh. 
The song's not doing it for me. I was expecting uh, sunglasses at night. That's what I was expecting. Would have been good. What's next? So now we're just going to go generic song about wolves. So we're going to go Metallica of Wolf and Man. I'll give you credit. Points for yeah. variety. I was going to say the exact same thing. You didn't go all wolf theme. You didn't go hungry like the wolf, which I actually would say is not a good song. Uh, and and the, kind of, the opening riff, even though I don't really know this song that well, the opening riff kind of grabbed me. I'm kind of digging this Metallica song. Let's, uh, let's give it a play. Hey, Permar. Real quickly on the way out, Permar. How do yeah. I get the uh, ACC cheerleader gig that Steve Forbes and Jeff Capel are pushing for? Uh, oh, uh, uh, they want one. They, they need one. I mean, just keep doing your thing, man. You, uh, you need to, you need to start showing up on, um, some ACC network shows. You need to come on there and just tell them you'll be the honk so that they don't have to be. That's how you do it, guys. Make it happen. But hold on, can I get can I, one more thing? Thirty seconds. Uh, this, this happened to, at the McCartney show, I think, at, at, in Winston Salem. Yeah, this happened at the the stadium game. People complaining about parking. I get it. We should always learn to try to do logistics better. But, but if you spent that much money on these tickets, if it is truly a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, go super early and have a backup plan. And if you're there super early and there's an hour wait, that's fine. You know, it's, it's a big thing. But go super early and have, like, three different places you could park. Like, make a plan. We'll try and get better on the logistics as a society. But I don't understand how it could be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And you'd be like, well, I'll just roll up there a couple hours before the game. That's all I got to say. Drop Mike. Hayes Permar, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. On the drive with Josh WSJS. Before we get to this week's ACC basketball rankings, last night Duke took care of Louisville but that wasn't the most talked about thing from this game. It seems a lot of people are taking issue with a Duke student, the Cameron Crazies, one of the Cameron Crazies, oh boy. pretending to be an attractive woman, presumably on Tinder, and catfishing a Louisville basketball player who was in town and looking for some one-night love. That's essentially the best way I can put that delicately on the radio here. And a lot of people are not mad at the player for getting duped. They're mad at the guy who was doing the duping. And here's the thing. He was trying to do something funny. And he he was trying to pick fun and he accomplished that. Now, if you don't find it funny, that's fine. I'm not going to be the comedy police and say, that one thing is a size-fit-all for comedy. This goes back to the Tiger Woods stuff next week. But it will never stop being amazing to me. <laughs> the people, particularly on the internet, that sticking their chest out to tell you how good of people they are, will say, that is not funny, and actually, it's shameful. Shameful, again, of this student to do what he did. Why? Why is it shameful? Someone explain that to me. Oh, well, he... 
This guy was just trying to... He's trying to do what? He's with the Louisville basketball team. They're in town for a night. He's there to play a basketball game, not to meet co-eds at Duke. Not what he's here to do. Like, if I'm... If I'm... Kenny Payne, I'm saying, dude, maybe lay off the tender. This might explain <laughs> This might explain why our basketball team's so bad. We're playing arguably the biggest game of, for us of the season. We're going to Duke, and you're, you're swiping on tender. What are you doing? This guy wasn't looking for a relationship at all. So I thought it was funny. Sue me if you don't think it's funny. And it's fine if you don't. Again, <laughs> they're trying to make a joke. The Cameron Crazies are great, in my opinion. All the feedback tends to be, oh, that's mean-spirited. Oh, that chant's not good. You can't say that. I remember someone got mad at ag school. They were chanting ag school at NC State. Oh, that has ties of racism back in the day. What? Come on. Like, oh, the cheat sheets. They do a lot of homework. They love their team. They care. And it's brilliant. A lot of it is. I mean, I'm a Carolina and, fan, and, here's and the I thing. appreciate it. And here's the thing. If it wasn't Duke, nobody would take issue with it. In fact, if it was your fan base, if it was your students putting in that much effort to do something, you probably would find it funnier. Let's not lose fact that it's Duke fans, and people don't like Duke, and that's why these things are stories. But I thought that was funny. Is that the sound of... Getting a match? Yeah, that's that guy getting the match. Pretty good yeah. on your part. Now let's get to the basketball rankings for this week. We call it critically acclaimed. We rank the top 10 of ACC basketball every week. And this week, like every week, we start with... Number 10. Syracuse. They're not going to move off of this spot. I don't see Boston College coming from behind Boston to College. take the number 10 spot anytime soon. The Orange got a win against NC State, then they got blown out at home by Duke. This is where they belong. This is where they reside. They're good. They're not a great team. They're not going to make the tournament. But on their home floor, they can beat pretty much anybody in the league. And they proved that by beating NC State last week. Number nine. The Virginia Tech Hokies beat Pitt on Saturday, or else they're probably in this number 10 spot. They've got Miami tonight. Not a quad one game, though, even though Miami's 13th in the country. Still ridiculous. Neither Virginia Tech nor Syracuse has a real clear path being an NCAA tournament team at this point, but that doesn't mean they can't play spoiler for other teams in consideration, a la Pittsburgh, who... Now has a game tonight against Georgia Tech that they better win or else they might start to uh, arrive at uncomfortable places. Number eight. In uncomfortable places. Number eight, critically acclaimed as the Clemson Tigers. This is going to be an awkward situation moving forward. As of right now, with two weeks left to go until the start of the ACC tournament, Clemson has a double bye in the ACC tournament. Double bye. You are so good you deserve two buys in the ACC's conference tournament. They're not even in the in consideration category for Joe Inardi. That is interesting. And they're in a bad situation. Now, they still have some opportunities to get quad ones, but they're on the road. You have to win at NC State this coming weekend. You got to get a win at Virginia to try and turn the tide on some opinions, but they have three horrific losses to their name 
the losses against Loyola Chicago, South Carolina, and now Louisville over the weekend. That's the reason why they're in the position they're in at number eight. Number seven. The North Carolina Tar Heels. They've been on a downward spiral, and if it wasn't for Clemson spiraling and losing to Louisville, they might be number eight on this list, but North Carolina beat the brakes off of Clemson 10 days ago. So this is where the Tar Heels belong. They're two and seven in road games, and they got a road game tomorrow night at Notre Dame. Feels like that's when they have to have to build their confidence enough heading into a matchup with Virginia this weekend in Chapel Hill. The Heels right on the borderline of being an NCAA tournament team or being left out. Number six. Wake Forest. They're in a worse NCAA predicament, particularly with what they have left on their schedule. They need to absolutely positively beat NC State to have a shot at making the tournament. But as we spelled out, just because you're a worse in a worse NCAA tournament position doesn't mean you're a worse basketball team. I think Wake Forest is better than North Carolina. I'd take their roster right now over the Tar Heels. That's an amazing development. It's not something I say lightly, but the Deeks just haven't been able to capitalize on quad one games. They've had five quad one opportunities decided by single digits, all losses, and two of those games were by two points. The Deeks need to win tomorrow. At least the Tar Heels have a couple more quad one chances on their home floor. Number five. The Pitt Panthers lost to Virginia Tech but still in great shape. They are destined for an 8-9 matchup. Jeff Capel had some comments that were interesting on his coach's call that we'll get to in the next 5 to 10 minutes or so. Pitt, a top five team in the ACC. They're going to make the tournament. Number four. Duke beat Pitt head-to-head at Cameron Indoor Stadium. That's a place that the Blue Devils have not lost this year. They won big last night against Louisville. It was a two-day turnaround, which was important for them too. They seem to be picking up things right at the right time. We'll talk more about the Blue Devils shortly as well. Number three. NC State. They're having such a special year. Kevin Keats, our guest at 530. Make sure you're here for that. And what separates them from Duke, I think, is just the quality of their backcourt. All cliches are rooted in some truth. And you hear the cliche that guards win in March. Well, NC State's got... Quavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner, I'd take both of those guards over Jeremy Roach or Tyrese Proctor. That's why State's at three and Duke's at four. Also, it helps that in the head-to-head meeting, NC State wallop Duke by 24. Number two. Some shakeup. Virginia at number two. The Hoos have not been very impressive in recent games. The last time we saw them, they won by two against Notre Dame. Notre Dame, I think it's the second worst team in the league. The only team that's worse is Louisville, who Virginia beat by three in the previous game. And they should have lost to Duke on their home floor the game before that. They're not playing great basketball right now. They rely too much on the threes, and they miss way too many of their free throws with the slow pace that they run for me to think that this is a team that could be a national title contender, even though they're ranked seventh in the nation, they're number two and critically acclaimed. Number one. Miami. They've become the best team. I'm completely sold. I love this team. Going back to guards winning in March, what backcourt would you take in the ACC over Wong, Pack, and Anthony Miller? Mm, I wouldn't take any of them. And 13's low for them in the top 25. The fact that the NCAA released its first top 16 over the weekend and Miami wasn't a part of it 
They're not even a top four seed is a joke. They're not top 30 in the net, which is a joke. This team is for real and a bona fide national title contender better than the team that went to the Elite Eight last year. That's been critically acclaimed, our ACC basketball rankings. Hey, Triad, this is Rich Eisen. Catch me this evening at 6 for the Rich Eisen Show. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. If you missed Kevin Keats or Hayes Permar as we played Skips or Plays with Hayes, you can find that on our podcast channel. Search The Drive with Josh Graham, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. That's where the Keats interview will be. That's where the best of podcast will be. If you've already subscribed to said podcast, two thumbs up to you. Great job. Tell your, tell your friends about it. On tomorrow's show, we will have Darren Vaught in studio with us for an hour, getting set for a high point basketball game that he has later on tomorrow night. And I don't want to give away the rest of what we've got, but promise you it's going to be fun. Maybe we'll whip out a midweek weekly positivity again. Maybe give that a look. Who knows? We might even have tickets for you to win. You'll have to find out tomorrow. What's so funny? You'll find out when we take it to the house. Okay, let's just do that. Past the 15, past the 10, past the 5 for the drive. We'll take it to the house. One, two, three. And it's brought to you by East Coast Wings and Grill. Hey, if you want to watch games like tonight where Pittsburgh's facing Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech's playing Miami, that's actually locally a good game. They've got the games on at East Coast Wings and Grill, and they have a robust menu. It's not just wings, even though the wings are really good. I can vouch for that. Uh, burgers, salads, they have a lot of different options for you. Pay them a visit to watch your favorite teams play. Okay, what do you got for people to take into the house with me? So the reason I was laughing is because I was watching a video that has gone viral of an Anchorage woman. So uh, an Anchorage woman is walking her dog here. Mm-hmm. And, well, the video actually starts on a moose. Yes. A moose starts sprinting. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, this woman appears in the corner of the video, and the moose absolutely topples and charges this woman over. I've seen this video. It's clear that the moose is chasing after this woman. Yes. It's not as if the moose inadvertently ran into this person. Right. It would seem that the moose isn't a big fan of the dog. Right. And the person just so happened to be in the way of this moose at a great rate of speed. Oh, yeah. If you're wondering, since this is an audio format, even though we are streaming video now, what exactly this collision looked like, picture for the old timers, Bo Jackson (laughs) running over Brian Bosworth, and it was something like that. Actually, that might not be doing it enough of a justice. Picture Herschel Walker, what he did to that Tennessee volunteer in the old Georgia footage that you can find from 40 years ago. That's kind of what this looked like. 
completely trucked over this this lady. Yeah, I who mean, is fine now, by the way. Yes, yeah, she is. She's she is recovering nicely. But I mean, to that point, like the person who was filming it was riding in a car up the road, like to keep up with the moose. That's how fast he was going. Here's my question. <laughs> Moose, moose is, yeah. It's moose. Moose, yeah. They don't strike me as having great side to side speed. Oh no, you're talking about straight line speed. That's this what was, they've got. This and was straight. this moose was running straight. Oh yeah. Thus, if you're the woman that's trying to escape the moose with her dog, I get there's some snow on the banks here. Maybe, here's a thought, try to do this number, shift to the left or shift to the right a couple of steps. She's trying to outrun this moose, which to your point, the car is struggling to keep up with. Correct. The same strategy that you would have if you were on train tracks trying to run away from a train <laughs> while not just moving to the side. Well, and to her credit, she kind of saw it last minute because she... She said it. She at first she thought it was somebody like in a on a bike. Yeah, that she thought that's what hit her. Bad job by this lady, all the way around. It's a bad job that you hey. didn't recognize that was a moose and that you were in danger. And the way that you tried to escape said moose is just to continue running straight rather than trying to get out of the way, get out of its path. You get what you get. You get what you get. And that's been a Tuesday drive. <laughs>